Joining us on the phone now to talk about today being the fifth anniversary of the legalization of cannabis in Canada. By the way, our question of the day at cjob.com relates to this story, so go and vote and then send me a text message or an email. But let's bring in Stephen Stairs here, medical cannabis advocate local. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Hal. How's it going? Good. Excellent. Thanks for jumping on for a couple of minutes. Um, it was five years ago that you were in that tent outside Delta 9. You were excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was pretty excited then. Um, you know, I'm still pretty excited now, but I got to tell you, the excitement has definitely worn away a little. Um, cannabis legalization was a great social win. You know, less people are getting arrested for possession of cannabis and, you know, less Less teens are using it than they thought would, and there are all these benefits to legalization that we can call social wins. But the regulations and the policies and legislation surrounding cannabis are still overly burdenous, overly conservative, and frankly, they're still making this cannabis industry, which is new and prospering, having to struggle more so than they need to. Yeah, and we've been talking about that. In fact, half an hour ago, right after the news at 11 o'clock, I talked to former Winnipegger Zach Walsh, who's a psychology professor and a cannabis researcher at UBC, and he mm-hmm. talked about the inability of Manitobans to be able to grow their own, and that was one of the big points he wanted to make today. Yeah, I mean, Manitobans, uh, I mean, the provincial ban on home growing of the four plants that's federally allowed, uh, the provincial ban is... It's ridiculous. It was brought in by the former PC government to supposedly protect, you know, youth from having access to cannabis. That's precisely why we have 19 as the age of cannabis instead of 18, which, again, it's weird because you can buy alcohol but not weed. Um, but, but yeah, that, that, that ban was definitely something that we were very uh, – was a contentious issue within the cannabis industry. Um, however, the, the side note to that is that at least the fines – for that aren't real criminal penalties. Uh, the, the fines, they haven't even issued a fine for it, but the average fine for something along that line is only about $2,400. So there's no criminal fine. It, it, it's a civil penalty. So, I mean, <laughs> my advice would be for everybody to grow, grow cannabis, but, I mean, I can't say that out loud, can I? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Zach's point was uh, there are people that maybe can't afford to buy it from one of the stores that, that you know, I hear from my listeners man, do we need this many pot stores? But regardless, that's one of the complaints that I hear doing this show. But his his point was, there are people out there that can't afford to go into a store and buy it. And, and he thinks that that's why Manitobans need to be able to grow their own plants. Oh, I definitely would agree. I definitely would agree. I mean, there there is a uh, portion of the public that needs cannabis for medicinal purposes and, and are generally low income on disability and things like that. And there are the people that can access the federally mandated program that allows medical cannabis to even grow. You can, you know, buy it, all these other kinds of things. But for, for the general populace who, especially with these high times of inflation through the pandemic, you know, limited income, you know, maybe their job was canceled or something like that. Yeah, to, to go into a, a store, I mean, alcohol is dirt cheap compared to the way cannabis is, is priced and regulated. So it's a very uneven playing field. And unfortunately, I mean, we've seen studies that show that cannabis is less detrimental to your overall health and society's health than alcohol con- consumption. So it's weird. We're on a very uneven playing field still five years in. And hopefully maybe with a new NDP government, you know, maybe we can see some loosening of some of these nanny state regulations that were brought in under the PCs, such as the ban on home growing. You know, um, leading up to the legalization of cannabis in Canada, 
Um, you, many people didn't know what to make of you and people like you who are advocates for the medical use of cannabis. I think one of the good things that's come from the past five years is the fact that I think most people recognize that cannabis has a real value in our society, especially when treating medical issues. I 100% agree with you, Al. You're hitting the nail on the head there. I mean, the catalyst that brought us to legalization of recreational cannabis was that, you know, you know, semi, you know, oh, anecdotal, you know, it helped my grandma at home. Oh, my cousin survived cancer. It was all that rhetoric kind of building up in society that allowed us to push for something as social change like that, like legalizing cannabis. And now that we've gotten legalized cannabis and recreational cannabis is everywhere, like you're saying, there's stores on every corner. There's many Tim Hortons as there are weed stores. We've, we've allowed that, let's call it skepticism and that stigma around medical cannabis to be let, not pushed aside because there are, there are medical cannabis issues still regarding taxation and access through brick-and-mortar locations. But overall, yeah, I think society has generally accepted the fact that cannabis can save people's lives in certain instances. And if it's done properly through the dosing and, and prescription of a, of a medical doctor and a physician, then you can really change the quality of life in someone's life. And we have generally, I think, accepted that. I don't, I don't, in my day-to-day life, I very rarely run into anyone who has a complete opposition to medical cannabis yeah. anymore. And yeah. 10 years ago, I, I, it was everywhere. For sure. Absolutely. Um, listener Dan just sent this text message in 780-6868, and uh, Stephen, I'll let you react. Dan says, here's the biggest argument I would give about this whole thing about it being affordable. Is marijuana a must-have or a want-have? And I'll just say this, and then you can react to Dan's text, Stephen. I would just say, yeah, for some, it's a want, and for many, it's a must. And, and I'm glad that it's available now to the population largely. Yes, yes. I think I think you and I have fairly similar thoughts on this, Hal. I mean, I think, yes, for some people, it is a want. They love the idea of a Friday night, you know, after work, they get to go have a couple of joints with their buddies, maybe play a guitar, play some video games, go out for a walk with a girlfriend, whatever they're doing. That's their relax. And they'd rather do that than go have a few beers. Whatever. Cool. But I think what you're touching on on the other side of that is that the medical cannabis aspect is not only understood as part of a a really necessity for people's quality of life these days. But I think there's also a latent benefit to that where we recognize that the consumption of cannabis, again, to, you know, repeat a point here is, is, is it can be a better part of your day-to-day life than other vices in society. And we've realized that the, the, you know, the sky didn't fall when we legalized it. And now we've generally come to accept that, you know what, it may be not something we agreed with it before, but now that it's here, I think it's pretty okay. And for the majority of people who are using it, let's say casually, because their back might hurt on a weekend, but they don't have, you know, a chronic pain issue that they constantly have to be medicating themselves with cannabis, I think that's where you're seeing it being much more of a need than a want. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm not here advocating for the legalization <laughs> of, of pot five years in because I'm a user, because I'm not. I, I don't, but I no, have people not. in my life... But I have people in my life who benefit from it medically. And so I understand the importance of it. And I have people in my life who enjoy it socially. And I would argue that it's uh, probably less harmful than some of the other stuff that we do socially. Agreed. Agreed. I I don't remember the last time I had anybody have a prescription for alcohol or a pack of cigarettes. (laughs) Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, last question for you, and I asked Zach, our, our U, UBC prof, the same thing. Mm -hmm. Five years in, where's the next five years take us, do you think, Stephen? I think the next five years are going to show a lot of, let's call it consolidation within the industry. I think you're going to see, oddly enough, you've seen a price drop in cannabis since legalization. However, I think you're going to see an increase in pot prices for a short term based on these consolidations and the shrinking of the production market within the industry due to excise tax over regulation and things like that. So you'll, you'll see an influx of prices and then you'll see a drop down, hopefully, you know, within a year or so after the prices start creeping up again. But as for industry, I think we will succeed. I think the social stigma will start decreasing annually like it has been. And I think you'll also see, start to see, a loosening of regulations for things like community events and sponsorship. I mean, there are, there are plenty of these industries and businesses out there that take money, you know, from the community. They build a profit off it. They put money on their or put food on the table, but then they want to give back afterwards and they want to donate some of their profits to a community center to buy hockey jerseys or, you know, to, to put the new soccer nets up. And right now, some of the regulations don't let them do that. And I think that's absurd. Yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other yeah. conversation. We'll have to have another day. <laughs> Stephen, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. No problem, Hal. Thanks so much.